Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all So don't even try, careful with the news, but when you use a take I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Go! Well, welcome everyone to uh, a new episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. As you uh, might notice, our, our co-host Matt is uh, not with us uh, as we get started today. Hopefully he'll be back with us uh, before the episode's over. But if not, he's left plenty of thoughts about today's two teams uh, to top at the top of the NFC South. But before we get into that, I'm going to throw it over to uh, co-host as always, Dennis. How are you doing today? You know, I'm having a pretty good day. Come off one of my busiest weeks at work in quite some time, right into payroll. So uh, it's driving me pretty hard. So I kind of went, got me a little bit of science, sugar-free energy drink here. It's my second one. So we're going to, we're, we're kind of doing an experiment. We're going to see what happens uh, throughout the show. Um, it's delicious sort of mango guava flavor no aftertaste uh not an ad well with uh with matt out today this is the sugar-free episode because we're just gonna have to let the natural sweetness of our personalities carry the day i guess i guess how are you doing doing pretty good uh, it definitely felt like a monday uh but I'm glad to to be to this part and to focus on what's really important which is uh the nfl which uh you know before we before we jump to our uh, – we're going to look at the top half of the NFC South today, um, which is the New Orleans Saints and the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we get into that, the uh, the NFL didn't want us to have a quiet weekend. So yesterday went ahead and uh, pulled off a trade. We wondered if Julio Jones was going to stay with the Falcons or if he was going to go. We got our answer yesterday going to Tennessee. Uh, what did you think of the move? You know, it's very similar. Granted, the status and, and the level of players are very different. But it was a Brock Osweiler move. It was take this money off my hands. Because I, I Julio is worth more than a second and a fourth. And then you have to give back. You're giving Julio and a sixth. Uh, he just provide, He He's not washed up. But they have to clear so much cap space in Atlanta. They're, you know, I agree. Ray GQ was tweeting that they're going to look back on not taking Justin Fields after trade. You know, they need to be out of the Matt Ryan business as much as they need to be out of the Julio Jones business right now. 
Nothing against yeah. Matt Ryan. Still a decent quarterback. He's going to do what he does. But I just think at, what is he, 34, 35 years old now? Uh, I yeah, don't know that he's like going to age like Tom Brady and has another 10 years left in him. Um, so he, 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 he should be, you know, they should be looking to move him. Matt Ryan is 36. Game. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, they don't – I know Mike Davis looked good last year at times filling in for CMC. But, you know, at, that running game, they're going to need something to happen. Uh, it, it's going to be pretty spotty, I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, I still think they're going to need to bring somebody in at wide receiver. They should be either looking – looking to trade for a second level player that's cheap, maybe somebody that's coming to the end of a rookie contract that hasn't quite performed or has been dinged up and hasn't quite got the, the you know, Preston Williams, somebody like that that's cheap that they could trade it, probably get for a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick. Uh, as much as I love Preston Williams, uh, I feel like, Miami has a pretty deep wide receiver group right now. And they're going to end up – there's a lot of wide receivers that are not going to make that team. And he's going into his third year now, four-year rookie contract. Uh, so he's not expensive. He was an undrafted free agent. Maybe he's not even on a four-year contract. Maybe this is his final year. So I feel like they're going to need to make some other moves – um, you know, they're, they're going to have to hope somebody like Caleb Huntley or JV and Hawkins steps up and makes that running back group an actual viable committee with Mike Davis. Yeah, and we'll, we'll look at the Falcons a little bit more on uh, Thursday because it would be their natural uh, time to come up. Um, but even without Julio Jones, it looks like they're still over the cap. Uh, which is means probably the bloodletting's not over, um, and you know maybe a guy like Preston Williams, like you said, would be a guy they could trade for, or maybe they can um, wait. I know if you sign a veteran after week one, I believe their contract isn't vested, so you know maybe you take an experiment there. Maybe you see who gets cut free during training camp. I'm kind of with you too that. If you thought that you were going to move Julio, I, I don't know if Kyle Pitts is the pick I make over uh, a Justin Fields. But Matt Ryan's contract is really cost prohibitive yeah, they just to get gave out him of. A new one. Yeah. They just so, re upped him like last year or something. That might have played into the thinking, too, of, you know, we can't, we can't really do it. For Tennessee, um, I think it definitely greatly improves them. I, I said yesterday on Twitter, I still think A.J. Brown is a wide receiver one for me, and Julio Jones probably a wide receiver two. Yeah, I, you know, I don't expect that Tennessee is going to change anything they were already doing. They're going to, you know, I, I hadn't looked up yet to see how many passes Tannehill threw last year, um, but I don't expect Four, it to 481. So, he threw 481. Yeah, he's in the bottom half uh, of attempted passes. 
I don't think that they're not all of a sudden going to throw the ball 600 times, especially because they have Derrick Henry. They'll still be efficient with the passing game. Um, you know, I think Brown and Jones, if they both stay healthy for 70, 17 games, likely to garner between the two of them 50% of the targets, maybe maybe even 60% of the targets. Uh, that doesn't leave a lot for Ferkser or Reynolds or anybody else there, Des Fitzpatrick, uh, Darrington well, Evans. What stood out to me that may help with your argument is between they, – they did a lot of subtraction this year. Between Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, and Adam Humphreys, who they all let go, they vacated 192 targets. That's why, to me, they don't have to be a more pass-happy team to give Julio Jones 120 right. to 150 targets. Correct. And, and A.J. Brown, didn't he miss two games last year and only had 106 yeah. targets? Yeah, so and you add another game, so maybe 520 pass attempts. If you see 150 to 170 for him, 120 to 150 for Julio, that's what you're talking about, 60%. I mean, and, and I feel like we had already, as, as a fantasy community, had already moved on to Calvin Ridley is the one in Atlanta. Now, Julio isn't your typical wide receiver, too, and he – he wasn't that in Atlanta and he's not going to be that in uh, Tennessee. So 120, 130 targets for Julio. I think that's a great year. Um, he's, he's likely to put up what's that maybe uh, on 120 targets. I would expect around 80 catches. Uh, I think that's a pretty decent, maybe, maybe that's pretty efficient though. That's what a 67% catch rate that, that might yeah, be a little bit high. Corey Davis saw 92 targets, caught 65, so he was pretty efficient. Okay. Well, I feel like Julio is a little more of a downfield threat than Corey Davis, though. So, Probably. But, you know, the, the real winner is Derrick Henry. So now they can't stack the box uh, as much. Not that Corey Davis was, quote-unquote, bad. He was, a, he was okay. Um, but – now you have two legitimate threats on the outside. So in those early downs, first, second down, um, you know, Derrick Henry is going to have some room to operate. He could he could put up 2,000 yards again uh, with, uh, you know, catching 10 passes. You know, it could be that kind of year for him. I know they've been talking up uh, Darrington Evans a little bit. Uh, he's going to get involved in the passing game. Henry's going to get involved in the passing game. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. But fundamentally, I don't really expect any big changes in um, Tennessee. Yeah, I, I mean, think they're going to continue to play smash mouth football. They're going to run the ball. They're going to take shots when they have them. Uh, and and you know, I feel like they, they have – they may be the uh, the favorite to win their division now. Uh, maybe they were already the favorite. So they they're, they're making good moves. Let's hope their defense holds up. Yeah. Well, let's let take a look at uh, our previews today. A couple of teams that are going to be grateful they don't have to see Julio Jones twice a year anymore. Uh, the first of those is the New Orleans Saints, who were uh, they finished twelve and four last year in first place. 
in the NFC South. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the divisional round, 30 to 20. That was the third meeting uh, that's uh, of the season between those two teams. The Saints swept the regular season. The Bucks got them when it counted. Key additions: they signed Nick Vanette, uh, the tight end, formerly of the Broncos. Key losses: uh, that loss, <laughs> that that key losses. The uh, the game that they lost to Tampa Bay turns out to be the final game for Drew Brees and what we assume will be a Hall of Fame career. He retired. Uh, Jared Cook, their starting tight end last year, went to the Chargers. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who was uh, their best receiver last year, signed with Buffalo. Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackle, signed with the Jets. And Janoris Jenkins, a corner, signed with the Tennessee Titans. Draft picks, they got Peyton Turner, a defensive end in the first round, Pete Werner, a linebacker in the second round. And they took an interesting quarterback prospect, Ian Book, out of Notre Dame in the fourth round. So the big question, uh, for so long, Drew Brees kind of defined the Saints along with uh, Coach Sean Payton. Brees is gone now. What do you think that means for the Saints? Well, I... Unfortunately for my Jameis Winston shares, uh, I don't think he's going to get handed the job. He's going to have to earn it. And I I expect that there will be uh, an ample serving of Taysom Hill throughout the season, much like uh, there has been the last couple years with Drew Brees. Hill uh, – he may even get some full series as opposed to just a specific package of plays. Uh, I think when he came in, he, he played okay. I'm still not sold on him as a passer. Um, you know, there he had that one deep throw that he made that people were like, look at that, he's throwing deep. But, man, the receiver had to come back so hard on that to catch it. It was, oh, I couldn't believe Wasn't that, that was Emmanuel Sanders, I believe. Yeah, I couldn't believe people were lauding that throw. It's like, uh, yeah, he was wide open because he literally stopped, turned around, and ran backwards 10 yards to catch the pass. Oh, you know, anyways, it's neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, we know that the Konami Code quarterbacks are all the rage in the NFL right now. And Jameis Winston does not have that skill set. Taysom Hill does to a degree. He's not as athletic uh, as, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson or or um, Josh Allen, those guys. But he is a decent runner. He, he's not afraid to take shots. He'll put his head down. He'll get tough yards. You know, I, on the Konami Code quarterback, I think on the spectrum you've got, you know, Tim Tebow on one end and, and Josh Allen on the other. And I think Taysom Hill is kind of in the middle of the two of them. So, to me, you know, he, he throws substantially better than Tebow did by any measure. Uh, just looking at him throw is much more pleasing. Uh, but he doesn't throw the ball as well as Josh Allen did even before Allen's breakout year last year. So, I like Hill to continue to be that offensive weapon. He's going to get the tough yards. He's going to make the plays. But I think Jameis is going to play the majority of the snaps. He's going to lead the passing offense. Um, as somebody who had to live through the Stanley Jackson, Joe Germain years of Ohio State football, <clears throat> I'm not sure that I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I don't know what to make of the the quarterback. You know, I'm I'm a huge Taysom Hill fan. I didn't think he was bad in that um, stretch he played. He went three and one, but he's he's not Drew Brees. I've wondered for a while. You know, the last time we saw Jameis Winston play a substantial amount, he struggled with turnovers and basically turned mild-mannered Bruce Arians into somebody who uh, threw him under a bus in the post-game press conference, but it never really seemed to phase him. I wondered how he was going to work with Peyton. He's, he spent all year with Sean Peyton last year. They brought him back. They they think they have a chance. I still think this is a playoff roster. They may not be the best team in their division, clearly, anymore, but I still think they have playoff potential, especially in the NFC. Our, uh, our friend Matt said he thinks he sees a mix of Winston and Hill, um, he said, I do believe Winston will be out there more often than not, but Peyton had no issues pulling a Hall of Famer off the field for Hill. He'll pull Winston at times as well. And I I tend to agree with that. I think there's something about the packages running with Taysom Hill um, that Peyton likes, and it does give the Saints diversity. Um, I also wonder, you know, if Winston wins the job and goes out there and starts – making some of the laissez-faire turnovers he did in Tampa Bay if that won't cost him playing time because Peyton doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to put up with that. Well, and, uh, you know, he went out and had LASIK surgery after that season as well, and, you know, there was a lot of talk about um, his vision issues. I don't know how much difference it's really going to make. I mean, granted, there's a pretty substantial – contrast between a red jersey and a white jersey or a black jersey and a white jersey you know so i don't know how much that the vision issues uh you can chalk up those 30 interceptions too but it also as somebody who turned 40 and immediately had to get glasses uh i do understand how well uh, how, how much you can be impacted by things not being clear. Um, it, it was quite a, you know, I fell apart at 40. We don't, we don't need to talk about that. But, uh, no, I feel, I, like, I I feel like, like it's only been a month and yeah. I'm on the path. It, it was literally, it's like, bam, bam, bam. Anyways, I agree with Matt. You know, they didn't have any issue pulling a Hall of Fame quarterback. Granted, at that stage of his career, I mean, I, I don't know that they would have pulled Drew Brees off the field eight years ago. Um, yeah. it, it's a little bit different when he had went through some more injuries. He clearly wasn't as mobile. He didn't have the arm strength. I think Brees at 42, 43 years old, you know, he wasn't standing in there going, all right, Sean, I can't wait to run this read option and take it to the end zone. Uh, so it, it's – you know, there is something to that. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to watch how it shakes out, um, but it's going to it could end up being a very frustrating season if uh, Taysom Hill starts vulturing touchdowns via the run game from Jameis Winston in the passing game. So let me ask you a different question. Um, obviously, Jameis Winston wants a number one draft pick, had several years kind of as a starter, fell out of favor a little bit, you know, got displaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
kind of had a, a tough last season. They decided to part ways. Do you think if he gets a chance to start here with the Saints in a pretty decent offense with a pretty decent head coach that this is kind of his last chance to prove he can be an NFL starting quarterback? I would say no. Um, I think if you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's path, granted he didn't come into the league with the same draft capital that Jameis did and hop right into a starting job. He, he repeatedly three or four times in his career, Fitzpatrick has gotten the opportunity to be the starter. I think the shortfall with him is that at some of those earlier points in his career, he didn't have, he wasn't necessarily veteran savvy enough to hold on to the job. Now I think Fitzpatrick, who's gotten a little bit older, he he's a little, some of it is the, I don't give a shit approach he takes. And some of it is, you know, that you can't, you cannot replace experience. Time takes yeah. time. And Fitzpatrick has, has a bunch of that. So I think if Jameis comes out and he plays well, but uh, Hill plays well also, you know, they, the saints have given the money to Hill, and I could see them say, look, we'd like to bring you back next in 2022 and run it back again. I could see Jameis go, you know what? I, I'm going to take a look at some of these options where I don't have to worry about coming out every fourth series or having another quarterback come in to run three plays during a drive. Let me take a look around and see. And and so for me, it, it comes down to he's got to perform, you know, He's got to not make the mistakes. He's got to run the offense. Uh, it be if they get to the playoffs and you know Winston throws twenty five touchdowns and you know ten interceptions or twelve interceptions, throws for 4,400 yards or something like that. I think he's going to be a hot commodity next year for teams that are quarterback needy because they're going to know they're not going to have to pay him twenty five or thirty million a year like some of these other quarterbacks, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to give him a reasonable salary more than, you know, it isn't going to be a one year, 1 million. I think he, he's got a, a better contract this year than he had last year. Yeah. But it'll come down to, you know, can he put up wins? So speaking of uh, stats, let's move to fantasy finishes and fantasy projections. Last year, Taysom Hill was the one that got the starting call when Breeze missed. He finished his QB 29 uh, for the season, uh, although in some leagues I think he finished probably higher as a tight end. Uh, you know, if you played on ESPN, you got to have a starting quarterback in the tight end slot for a few weeks there, which was uh, pretty exciting. But he finished with 928 passing yards, four TDs, two INTs, 457 rushing yards, and eight touchdowns. Jameis Winston last year only uh, got into four games, only had 11 attempts, completed seven of them for 75 yards. But the last time that he was substantially on the field was as a starter for Tampa Bay in 2019, threw for 5,109 yards, 33 touchdowns, but those 30 interceptions was still good enough to be QB3 in fantasy. So as we look at the quarterback position, Who's the one that finishes higher, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? 
and is either a top 15 option? I think they're both going to be outside the top 15. Um, and I think Hill ends up finishing higher because Hill is going to cannibalize not only Jameis Winston, he's going to cannibalize Latavius Murray, and he's going to cannibalize Adam Troutman. So he's, he's taken food out of the mouths of three different people to get to that you know, quarterback 18, quarterback 16 range. And Jameis, you know, he's not above pressing when stuff happens. So I could see Jameis making a mistake, throwing an interception. Then they start the next series with Taysom Hill. And then when Jameis gets back in, he feels like he has to throw a 200-yard touchdown. You know, they don't exist. You just got to go in and play the game. But I think Hill finishes higher just because he's going to get the opportunity to pass more. Plus, he's still going to get the opportunity to run, and he'll still catch some passes. So I, I feel like that's going to bump him up. So Matt said he thinks Winston is higher, but he'll be closer to 20. He doesn't think either finish in the top 15. This is tough for me. You know, I still have my Tim Tebow Broncos jersey, which I may actually wear again this season since he's back in the league, albeit with a different team and a and a different position. But you know, love love never dies. Just you know, it might diminish. You get the, full collection, the Tim Tebow Broncos jersey, the Tim Tebow Jets jersey. Didn't he play for the Patriots too? I mean, yeah, get, get the did. whole series. Get get the I'm, Tim Tebow Mets jersey. I'm more likely to get a Tim Tebow Florida Gators jersey than I am Jaguars, Jets, or Patriots. But uh, So I love Taysom Hill. I think he finishes outside the top 25. I think Jameis Winston probably finishes as a low-end QB, too. I think he ends up being the higher of the two. Um, I think he's going to be okay as much as it – I'll tell you, that's what my heart wants. That's what my heart wants. I just don't yeah. trust Sean Payton and his bromance with Taysom Hill. So let well, me ask look, you It's this. not just Sean's Payton bromance. I got that. I mean, I think I changed my 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 Twitter handle to Taysom Hill fan account at one point during the offseason. So let me ask you this. If, let's say Taysom Hill was out of the picture, where do you think Jameis Hill would finish as a QB? Famous Winston, you know, probably somewhere between 15 and 20, you know, and I think with Taysom Hill, he ends up sliding to somewhere between 20 and 25. I I don't think they're going to be as much of a – he's not going to have the gunslinging kind of thing that they had in Tampa Bay because, hey, they have Latavius Murray. They have Taysom Hill to run in the goal line. They have uh, Alvin Kamara, who's an incredible weapon. And they don't have the the receivers, which we'll get to in a minute. You know, and he was pretty blessed in Tampa Bay. You know, I had Braid, he had Howard, he had Mike Evans, he had Chris Godwin. He had some guys that can go. Yeah. Saints don't have as impressive of a of a downfield, you know, there's a reason Alvin Kamara is good for 81 to 83 receptions a year. It's because you got to hit those underneath, do those screens, things like that. I, 
I think Winston will be better. He'll control turnovers, but I don't think he's going to have the top end yards and touchdowns. That's just my guess. And then splitting, you know, yeah. doing those specialty wildcat packages and all the, I mean, you know that they're going to be good for six end arounds a game to Deontay Harris, the way they're talking about him too. Well, I, I feel that if, if there was no Taysom Hill in the picture, I would put Jameis probably a borderline QB one because passing is what he does. He's not a runner. Um, they, they do have Murray and they've got Kamara. So they've got good running backs and that'll be effective. But Winston would, I think, elevate it with, if he didn't have to worry and maybe, you know, maybe he's not worrying as much as I think, but if he wasn't worried about, Taysom Hill coming in periodically. You know, I think he makes something out of Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway or um, some of those other guys they got down there. They've got some other young guy down there, some big dude, I can't remember. Um, but I think he would make something out of those guys a little bit more than they are, along with Michael Thomas, who is a bona fide fantasy star and NFL star. So I would probably yeah. put him closer to the – the fridge RB, QB1. Well, let's look at those running backs behind him. Uh, last year, Alvin Kamara finished as RB1 overall, had 187 carries uh, for 932 yards and 16 TDs, including that uh, Christmas Day massacre against the Vikings that probably propelled a lot of fantasy uh a lot of fantasy championships. I know as somebody who rosters Kamara in some playoff games, uh, I was quite delighted. He also caught 83 passes for 756 yards and five more TDs, giving him a total of 21 last year. Uh, Latavius Murray, no slouch, finished as RB34, 146 carries, had 646 yards rushing and four TDs, caught 23 passes for 176 yards and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara was RB1 in 2020. Is top five for you in 2021? Yeah, I I mean, it's it's hard to go against him based on what he does. I mean, he's been a top five running back and never rushed for 1,000 yards. So he racks it up in, you know, in PPR, 80, 80 receptions is nothing to sneeze at. So I, I think Kamara – um, is in for a typical season. He's going to run the ball 175 to 200 times. Latavius Murray will run the ball 150 to 175 times. And, you know, this, the touchdowns, that that's going to be the thing because Kamara had the 16 touchdowns. Um, I think that's probably what propelled him to the RB1 is the 80 but 83 receptions and then 16 rushing touchdowns. If that, if the rushing touchdowns cut in half, you know, he's probably then around RB five uh, at best, but you know, he's just so good. I mean, how, how can you bet against him? He he's, he does what, you know, we, we talk about running backs and we want them to be a bell cow running back. He's redefined what a he's a Belkow running back. He's just redefined what it is because so much of his volume comes from the passing game. But 187 carries is still 
a, a good amount of carries. It's not like some of these other guys we see that, you know, get 100 targets at the running back position, but they run the ball 50 times. He's getting close to 200 carries. So uh, I, I if, if I had to guess, I haven't done my redraft rankings, um, but I, I like Kamara to be pretty close to, to probably RB five. Yeah. So uh, our friend Matt said he has Kamara fourth in his dynasty ranks. I also have him fourth in dynasty ranks. Uh, Matt said that he's hesitant to say he finishes top five, but thinks he definitely finishes top eight. For me, I do agree. Probably some rushing touchdown regression. I think he finishes closer to eight or nine rushing touchdowns, which seems more in line with with career. I do think he finishes top five, either in the fourth or fifth slot. I don't think he repeats as RB one, which probably had a lot to do with touchdowns. I personally think, still think, he has thousand thousand potential. Whether he'll ever get there, whether. Uh, that that will happen. It seemed like he was on pace to make that happen, um, and his numbers took a little bit of an ebb down during those games when Taysom Hill was quarterback. It wasn't as bad as people made it out to be, but it wasn't what it was when Drew Brees was in there, which is why I think a lot of Alvin Kamara um, shareholders are kind of rooting for James Winston, hoping that that ends up being a little bit better for his fantasy prospects. But barring injuries, which is probably the biggest thing that's held Kamara back in years past uh, from hitting that top five mark. I think he finishes top five. What do you see for Latavius Murray? He was a solid RB3 last year. You think about the same? Well, yeah, pro- yeah I think so. He's, he's going to get – when they get up, you know, they're going to pound it with they're, – they're not going to – if they get a lead – they're not going to pound it with Kamara and they're not going to pound it with Taysom Hill. That's Latavius Murray's job. So his job is to ice the game when they have a lead uh, to get the short yardage. He had 146 carries last year. I feel like that's really 150 to 175 is kind of where Latavius Murray is going to settle in. Um, you know, when we were talking about a thousand thousand for Alvin Kamara, um, you know, he's going to have to catch more passes. I was looking to see what his yards per reception is. As a rookie, it was ten point two, and he had eight hundred and twenty-six yards. That was his high. So he's going to need to catch close to a hundred passes, I think, at under ten yards a catch to get that thousand and thousand. But if if something happens to Murray, I don't feel like there's anybody else that's going to really jump up. Uh, they, they still have Dwayne Washington, Ty Montgomery. I don't feel like those guys are going to take quite the same uh, workload uh, as Latavius Murray. You know, if Murray gets 150 yards, got 25 passes, 23 passes last year. I feel like that's really what his role is. So that that RB three, um, and he's fairly steady at that. So he's a guy that, if you're playing in a deep league that has multiple flexes, you don't hate having him on your roster. He's he's not sexy. You're you're rarely counting on him to win you a week, but also there's not a lot of weeks I don't think he loses you by putting up a goose egg or three points or something. He's usually good for 
um, getting you decent yardage and then a touchdown every other game or so. Yeah, I think probably RB3, RB4 range for me too. I expect something similar. So let's uh, switch gears and look at receivers, which for the, the Saints, the, the biggest guy is going to be Michael Thomas. Thomas, kind of a tale of two years between uh, 19 and 20. In 2019, he was wide receiver one. Uh, he played all the games, saw 185 targets, NFL record 149 receptions, 1,725 yards, nine touchdowns. Last year, not as good. Uh, struggled with health. Uh, that limited him to just five games that he started. Ironically, most of his games were played with uh, Taysom Hill. He finished as wide receiver 95, had 55 targets, caught 40 for 438 yards and zero touchdowns. Uh, the other receiver of note uh, for the Saints is Traquan Smith, who was wide receiver 72 last year, caught 34 balls for 348 yards and four touchdowns. So we'll start with Thomas. What do you expect in 2021? I, I expect him to return more to his uh, 2019 form. He's going to, I don't know that he's going to get 185 targets, but with the extra game, he could. I mean, even in five games last year, he had he, he caught eight passes a game. So it wasn't like he was, you know, little used, even though he was in there for five games. Uh, that was a 40 receptions in five games is a pretty, that's a hundred and what, almost a hundred, that's about 120, yeah. 130 catch pace. So it, it, just because they had uh, Taysom Hill in there, uh, he was still going to catch a bunch of passes. So I expect that to be the same thing this year. I do feel that uh, Thomas wants to get rid of the slant guard Mike moniker. So he, he's going to – on one hand, I'm like, man, if you're great at something and they just can't stop it, keep doing it. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, I understand you got to change it up a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. But I've, I've, he's gonna he's gonna be up there in 150 targets, 160 targets, uh, because his his depth of target isn't overly deep. Uh, I expect his catch rate to be fairly high. So I mean, he's got a 77.6 career catch rate, uh, which is uh, hashtag good. So yeah. let's let's get him back out there uh, on the field, and uh, yeah. Well, he's been a target machine. He may not get the one one eighty five, but as a rookie, he saw one hundred twenty one targets in twelve games started. Saw one hundred forty nine targets in two thousand seventeen. One hundred forty seven targets in two thousand eighteen. So I would expect. 150 to 170 targets at least, especially with the extra game and the kind of dearth of options. I expect him to get back to wide receiver one range in 2021 as well. Our friend Matt said he thinks Thomas, again, will be a wide receiver one in 2021. He said he would lean top 10, but there's a shot he finishes as a high-end wide receiver too, but the odds are better. He's top 12. 
What about Traquan Smith? Matt says, I'm out on Traquan Smith. He looked good at times last year, but I would need to see it to believe it. Do you feel the same? Um, I, I don't think somebody's got to step up there, and he's listed as the, the starter. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sold on Deontay Harris as the two. Uh, Marquez Calloway is the other guy. Little Jordan Humphrey was the guy I couldn't think of before. But, I mean, he's kind of a tight end-ish guy. He's like a slow Kyle Pitts. Um, no, that wasn't meant as a compliment. Um, so, <sighs> you know, they don't have a second wide receiver, you know, like Tampa or like Cleveland, you know, like the Rams. Traquan Smith is it, and it's put up or shut up time. So I feel, you know, he's in the he's. What did he have for targets last year? Fifty. Uh, he saw fifty targets, thirty-four receptions, four hundred forty-eight yards, and four TDs. So I think he's in for a hundred target year if he stays healthy. Uh, I mean, they're going to throw the ball, and he's really it outside of Michael Thomas. You know. Cal, could Callaway burst onto the scene and pass him? He could, um, but Smith and Callaway are the ones who are going to be more of the downfield threats, and Smith is the one who's more established at this point. So if he gets 100 targets, I could see him getting 60 receptions and 750, 800 yards. I mean, he found the 34 receptions. He found the end zone four times, so uh, he knows what to do with the ball. It just comes down to, so what, he's going into his third year now, or is he going into his fourth? You wrote the article on him, you tell me. Yeah, so he's going year. into his fourth year. And, and historically, it's taken, you know, two, three, four years for wide receivers that don't come into the league elite to break out. So he's right there at the door now to step up and, become that solid contributor on a game-to-game -game basis. So I probably yeah. like him to get, you know, 80 to 100 targets and 50 to 70 catches, somewhere in that range. Yeah, and 50 targets that he saw last year is by far the most that he's gotten uh, in his career. If you were looking at – so Corey Davis, Tennessee, last year saw 92 targets, ended up catching 65 for 984 yards and five touchdowns. To me, I think that would be about the best hope, um, kind of, you know, the optimum outcome for Traquan Smith. That landed Davis as right about wide receiver 30, and that's where – I think Traquan Smith has the potential because being in a decent offense and because of the lack of options, if, like you said, he sees between 80 and 100 targets, can get between 60 and 70 receptions, can get a couple of touchdowns, I think he can be a solid wide receiver three. Yeah, and I feel like if I'm getting him at wide receiver 40 or 50 prices and I'm getting wide receiver 30 or 35 production out of him, I feel like that's a really good value. He's probably more a, a flex play for me right now and until he consistently puts up that wide receiver three production. But I, he's and got the 80, opportunity. His ADP right now is wide receiver 81. So to me, he's an incredible value at that ADP. Right. 
So the, the last the last kind of passing option would be a tight end. Uh, Adam Troutman was the first tight end, I believe, off the board uh, draft-wise last year. Uh, didn't have a huge role. Only got 16 targets last year, but caught 15 of them for 171 yards and a touchdown. Ended up as tight end 57. They signed Nick Vanette, who, uh, from my experience of seeing him uh, in, as a Bronco, is really more of a blocking guy. Jared Cook's gone. Still questions about how much Taysom Hill lines up at tight end. What do you see as potential for Troutman? Well, the, the potential is there to be probably the fourth to fifth option uh, when it comes to receiving. He'll have some games. Maybe he has – you know, a couple games where he's five catches for 45 or 50 yards, 60 yards, um, and, and a couple touchdowns. So I, I feel like he's in line to to be that. He, he's in line to be the tight end. Uh, what was it? Cook had 60 targets last year. So going with 17 games, if Cook had 60 and Troutman had 16, that's 76. Josh Hill had eight. I, I don't know that I'm expecting more more than six tar, 60 targets for him. So he's going to have to be efficient, catch you know, 45 uh, to, to be productive. But he falls into that tight end 6 to 20 range. He could be tight yeah. end 6. He could... He could could be a touchdown heavy producer. Um, so you're right. Or he you're could right. Be... Cook had 60 targets. Josh Hill had 10 targets. Taysom Hill had 12 targets. So, you know, that 60, I think that 60 target range, 55 to 70 probably, is where, you know, he's not Jimmy Graham. So, you know, he, he is what he is. He's, I don't think he's as athletic as Dallas Goddard. Um, so he's going to have to make the most with what he has. And being at, you know, he's 6'5", 260 pounds. So he'll be a good red zone threat. He'll be uh, a capable receiver and be able to get some yards. As long as he plays smart, doesn't turn the ball over, He's going to be the show, uh, but that's another Ohio State guy, and as much as I want to pump him up, uh, I don't believe he's really a threat. He's going to, he's likely to be the new Josh Hill at best, if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I just don't see Vanette taking that many um, targets. Denver, he didn't do a lot. He had some okay times with Seattle. So, I was looking last year in 2020, Gerald Everett finished as tight end 26. He saw 62 targets, caught 400 or caught, caught 41 of them for 417 yards and a touchdown. I think, you know, that's not a, I could almost see Troutman ending up with two or three touchdowns, but maybe 35 receptions for 357 yards. So, Probably an upper-level tight end three wouldn't be out of range, given the state of tight end working his way into a bottom end tight end two wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities. I think that's probably right where I would slot him. Yeah. 
and I'm not going to argue with that. I think that that's a reasonable expectation. Well, we're going to leave New Orleans behind and move on to Matt's favorite team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He said he wanted to make sure he was here because he's got an I Heart Tom Brady tattoo. Uh, the Buccaneers last year, in case you uh, passed out and missed it or were hoping it was just a product of your nightmare, uh, did finish 11-5. and five. They were second place in the NFC South, but they did indeed win the Super Bowl. Uh, their key additions this offseason, Gio Bernard, uh, the running back, because Lord knows they needed more running backs, receivers, and tight ends to muck things up. They also got Joe Jones, who's a linebacker from Denver and an incredible special teams player. Key losses, uh, it was a real struggle to fill this part because Tampa Bay's big thing this offseason was running it back and getting the band back together. But we'll say LaShawn McCoy uh, because he was a recognizable name. Draft picks, uh, they took Joe Tryon, the linebacker, in the first round. Kyle Trask, everyone's favorite Florida Gator, in the second round uh, to potentially be their future quarterback, I guess. And Jalen Darden, the wide receiver, in the fourth round. So the Buccaneers brought the band back together in 2021. Are they the Super Bowl favorites, and what would it take to return as champions? Let's kick it off with the man making his appearance, our own Matt Bruning. What's up, guys? Um, so I think they might be the Super Bowl favorites for most people, but they are not for me. I definitely think they're a playoff team, uh, but I don't think they repeat. I, I think it just takes everything coming together to win that Super Bowl. The, ba the ball has to bounce your way. Uh, perfectly multiple different times for you to get that. And I don't think that happens for them two years in a row. I think they've got a great team. Obviously, them bringing everybody back together again, as you just mentioned, is huge. But I, I just think they will fall short of repeating. Definitely a playoff team, but do not repeat as Super Bowl champions. I think you undersell the selling Brady's soul to the devil aspect of repeating. So, now, I... I, 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 it's so hard to, to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Um, you know, they were extremely healthy last year. They didn't have a rash of injuries, and they built up pretty good depth. But that offensive line's going to have to stay healthy. Um, I, I feel like, honestly, if they could sustain injuries anywhere, it's running back and wide receiver and maybe even tight end. They could lose one of each for the entire season, and you, you might not even notice. Yeah, you know, I think last year's Kansas City Chiefs are probably a prime example. If any team was kind of poised to repeat, I know, Dennis, going into that Super Bowl, you thought they had a chance of maybe establishing the dynasty, and you saw just, just a couple of key injuries and they end up making back to the Super Bowl, which is a feat in and of itself, and falling a little bit short. That shows you how hard it is. I agree with with Matt that it would take an almost perfect uh, run for them to repeat as champs. That being said, the defending champ bringing back all 22 starters, I think they probably enter the season as the favorite Um just because that was a pretty impressive feat. They were a good team. They seem to really be getting – better as the season ended. I think that's why some of us thought they may end up not making the playoffs because it might take them a while to gel as a team, and it did, but it just has so happened that they were able to gel quick enough to get in there. Once they got in there, they were a nightmare for everyone that faced them. 
So let's look at the fantasy finishes and projections. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, a very young at heart, 43, finishes QB 8, 4,633 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Uh, This was perhaps my favorite stat line from pulling together these previews so far. He had 30 carries last year, only got six yards, but three rushing touchdowns. Uh, Brady just keeps going. He has a ton of weapons. Dennis, is he top 10 again in 2021? I mean, I feel like I could put up a top 15 you know, season with Evans and Godwin, Brown, Gronk, Howard. You know, I I would have a shot at it, I think, bad shoulder and all. So it's hard. You can't really count him out. They, they don't play risky football. And the team is built to grind you down. They've got two big backs that can run the ball down your throat. And three tight ends that are all over 260 pounds. Uh, you know, so if they need extra blocking, the, the offensive line. It, the big thing is, I, do you know how many times Brady was sacked last year? You know, I, I feel like it wasn't very many. Five times? I was guessing. <laughs> I, I can look really quick. I was just guessing. Uh, I thought you had it right there, Andy. You know, it doesn't yeah, no, seem I'll like look. it was a lot. So he was sacked 21 times. Oof, I was well. So b- barely over once a game. And that's really, if he's not getting hit, if you're not getting pressure on him, you're not hitting him, he's going to pick you apart. And when you have weapons like Godwin and Brown and Evans and Gronk, it's it it's crazy that you can only defend for so long if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback. So I, I feel like he's gonna be able to turn in another great season. Forty touchdowns is a big ask. Um, but in the era of Konami code quarterbacks, Brady is showing us how to get it done without uh piling up the rushing stats. Though so those three three rushing touchdowns. And that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, so I think he'll be top 12. Um, you know, I, I tend to be the one, I guess, who doubts Tom Brady. So that, that's likely going to come back and bite well, me a little he's bit. He's from Michigan. We just hate Tom Brady. That is true. Uh, but I, I just – top 10 seems – I mean, what Dennis said is very true. It's it's possible. When you have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, you know, I don't know. I think Antonio Brown's not technically on the team yet because he hasn't passed his physical, but if he does pass, he'll be there. You got Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Gronk. They brought back um, – what was uh, OJ Howard is still back because they retained him. They still have Cameron. Or did Cameron Bray get traded? No, nope, they still have Cameron. Bray's still there. I mean, so they have a great team. The one thing I will say is – if you go back and look at their schedule last year, they didn't necessarily blow out a lot of the good teams. Green Bay was one earlier in the year, but then they should have lost that playoff game. And then obviously they blew out the Chiefs. Some of that I do think it was due to the offensive line injuries. 
Um, and then Patrick Mahomes being hurt as well. So I think that defense is going to keep them in games like they were. I just don't think Brady puts up the points. And I, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I know I've heard all the stuff that he didn't quite know the playbook last year. And he's learning more of it and all that stuff. I just I think he's probably top 12 and maybe there's not much. Maybe it's five points that separates 12 and 10. So it won't be that far off. Uh, but I feel like top 12 is is probably I would if I had to bet money on it, I would say he finishes uh, below or not above 10, not below 10. Yeah, probably the rushing is the denominator for me. I think he's a QB one, but that difference between finishing as eight or 11 or 12 could end up being, you know, if one of those guys. So last year he finished above Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson gets a little better passing the runs, but then by the same token, you know, Ryan Tannehill finished just above him last year thanks to seven rushing touchdowns. He could come back to the back. We don't know what a healthy Joe Burrow or a healthy well, Trevor Lawrence is going to do. So I think there is potential for him to slide down out of the top ten. Yeah, and, I mean, you also got to think you're adding in a Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I don't know if Trey Lance I just this year, but – I don't think Fields plays a full season. So a barring injury, I think Brady – but – he still has a really good team, too. And I will say so, on the Tannehill thing, I was going to save this, but uh, for something later, he uh, I heard this today on SiriusXM that on a points-per-game basis in the past uh, four years, there's actually only one quarterback that has more points than him, or it's like a point per drop back or something like that, and that's Lamar Jackson. Ryan Tannehill has actually been a lot more consistent than people give him credit for. Yeah. So I, so I just wrote an article. Uh, just uh, it'll be coming out tomorrow or Wednesday. I'm trying to get it opened up here. So the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play like the fifth softest schedule in the NFL this year. If I could huh. get it to open. Well, that's that's good for which, the actual which actually may be a knock against Brady because if they. If they're up good, he's not going to have to to keep going. But since we talked about Brady's rushing, I guess it's time to look at the uh, the running backs. Last year, big signing was Fournette, who was cut just before the season. He had a great playoffs and a great Super Bowl, so I think people forget he wasn't incredibly involved during the regular season. He did finish at his RB35, but he only appeared in 13 games, only had 97 carries last year, 367 yards, though, six TDs, caught 36 passes for 233 yards. Ronald Jones was actually the better regular season running back, finished as running back 20, uh, only appeared in 14 games, got injured there at the end. Had 192 carries for 978 yards, seven TDs, caught 28 passes for 165 yards and a TD. I know a lot was made that Fournette was kind of their pass receiving back, but only an eight reception difference between them last year. Both of them are back. They added Giovanni Bernard, who's typically been a good pass catcher, and they still have second-year running back Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, who many of us have seen our rookie shares wither on the vine. So, Matt, who leads them in rushing, and where do they finish? 
I want to say Ronald Jones because I just don't ever want to quit on him. But I, I think with the way Fournette played in the playoffs, I'm going to go with Fournette. Uh, I would be surprised if any of these four running backs finishes RB2s. I think at best you're looking at, in all honesty, like around an RB28 to 30 finish as the, as the highest RB. I, just, I think it's going to be more of a passing offense. If they really did bring Bernard in to do – a lot of the receiving work that's going to cut into both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette's receiving work as well. So I don't think those guys get that much there. I think Fournette probably plays better in what Brady wants to do, which is why I think he gets on the field more. So I'm going to go with Fournette in the 28 to 32 range. Yeah, Tampa has the fourth easiest schedule. Uh, My thing just opened up. But to the running backs, so – I I feel like, yeah, they brought everybody back, but Jones is the better runner. Uh, he's mo- more explosive than Fournette. I think Gio, Gio's not going to cut into Ronald Jones's receiving work because, let's face it, it there isn't really any. Uh, he, he's, he, if it falls into his hands, he gets lucky. Uh, but Gio's going to cut into, I, I think, Fournette's work substantially. I would not be surprised if if they let Fournette go. Um, I know they brought him back, but if you bring in Geo as the passing down back, Geo is so much better than Leonard Fournette. It's not even close. And Geo can give you a few carries. I think a lot of it comes down to can Keyshawn Vaughn show he belongs in year two. Now, There's already been a little dust up with Vaughn apparently not showing up for practice or not showing up for a voluntary workout or something. And and, uh, Arian's getting in the press saying, uh, hoping he makes better decisions going forward, something to that effect. So Vaughn is kind of in the doghouse. But if Vaughn pops out of that doghouse and looks great, I would not be surprised that if it's at the expense of Leonard Fournette, just because of, of the redundancy and Fournette being older, he's not as explosive as, as Jones. Jones is explosive. I, I'll give you that. I've been out on Jones, but they like him. He, he's a good runner. And he, even if he can't catch that, you know, Derrick Henry can't catch either. Not that Ronald Jones is Derrick Henry, but it's a copycat league. And when you look around the league and see who's having success, you're going to try to copy some of those things. So if Jones can stay healthy and get mid 200s in the carries, so he was RB20, if Jones gets 250 or 260 carries, I think he's going to push for that low-end RB1, high-end RB2. So I think what concerns me is the Buccaneers were a real finalist. There was a real good chance it looked like for a while they were going to get James White, which tells me they couldn't get James White. They went and picked up Bernard when he came available. They probably are looking for somebody consistent to be in that pass-catching role. I don't think they're going to let Fournette go. I think they want to keep everybody together. I think they like having the depth and the options, which makes me think that Jones and Fournette end up splitting the rushing work. I don't think either of them makes it back to RB2. I'm going to go with Jones finishing slightly higher, but I think they're both probably in the RB30 to 40 range. 
So people we know are going to catch passes are the wide receivers. Uh, so they last year we saw Mike Evans uh, finish as wide receiver 11, caught 70 passes for 1,006 yards, just made it over the 1,000-yard barrier, and 13 TDs. He was the only one of this big three to play in all 16 games. Chris Godwin uh, played in 12 games, saw 84 targets, caught 65 of them for 840 yards and seven touchdowns. He was wide receiver 31. Antonio Brown only appeared in eight games, finished as wide receiver 65, saw 42 receptions, 484 yards, and four touchdowns. Potentially, all three of these guys are available for all 16 games this year. Plus, as Matt mentioned, they have Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson lurking in there. Who do you want for fantasy, Dennis? Well, I want them to be available for all 17 games. Okay, 17 games. Sorry. It's going to take some getting used to. Isn't it, though? Um, You know, I am a, a big Mike Evans fan. I'm I'm team big wide receiver. Now that's not to say that Chris Godwin is small because he's a pretty good sized wide receiver as well. Um, but I feel like that it, it's gonna come down to can they can, can Evans repeat the thirteen touchdowns. I'm a little nervous about that. Uh, I, I know that he, of the wide receivers, he's the one. Godwin missed some games. So I feel like the volume, if the running game sputters this year and they have to go pass heavy, uh, I probably want Godwin in that, that rate. But if they're not passing a lot, I probably want Evans because I feel like he's the guy they're going to take the shots with is Evans. He's he's a big-bodied guy that gets downfield. But just just out of curiosity, do you guys know who the run RB20 or RB30 was last year? Gio Bernard. So you're calling Which is not forward, great so considering he, that he was the starter for most of the season for Cincinnati. So four, 124 carries, 416 yards, three touchdowns. He did have 47 receptions, 355 yards, and three touchdowns. So, you know, I, I feel like if, if it's Jones finishing his RB30, he's probably going to be in the 800-yard range with very little receiving. If it's Fournette, I feel like that's a reasonable – stat line for Fournette, kind of the 50-50 receiving and, and running. But back to the wide receivers, I, I'm a big Mike Mike Evans fan, and I, I tend to default to Mike Evans um, as the receiver to, to roster from Tampa Bay. And I guess why should I change now? I want Mike Evans. Uh, I'm going to go – Godwin. I feel like Evans benefited a lot from the touchdowns. We talked a lot about that, Matt. You and me did as we were going through the season. There was a couple games at the beginning of the season. I'm almost positive he like barely got over 10 receiving yards, but had multiple touchdowns just because he was being used as that red zone target. You know, I think Kevin Gronk there, OJ Howard coming back. Godwin healthy. I think that's something 
people overlook. Well, I know he played, I think, in almost every single game. He was banged up all season. I think if he can come back and be fully healthy. Godwin was only in 12 games. 12 games? Okay. So I think if he can come back and be fully healthy, I I think at this point in their careers, he is the better wide receiver. Uh, I think that he will. I thought he was going to have the better year last year. I do think, like I said, the injuries played a part in that. So I think he takes that step up this year uh, and is the wide receiver or the best wide receiver on the team. Not by much. I still think Evans is going to be a really good wide receiver. I think both probably finish top 15, 16 at worst. Uh, But I think Godwin just edges out Evans. So yeah, if, if that's, that's the case, so my question is this: Who does Antonio Brown? Who does he take targets from? Does he take them from Godwin, or does he take Scott, them from Scotty Evans? Miller? Scotty Miller. I don't think he affects either one of the top two guys. I really don't. Because Miller, if you looked, was tracking to have a pretty good season until Brown came in, and then kind of he disappeared. It looked like they were going to support three top forty guys, and then. I think they probably would have if Brown's there the whole season or if Miller stayed in that role the whole season. I tend to agree with Matt. I think Chris Godwin finishes higher. I think he gets more receptions and yardage. I wouldn't be surprised if Evans finishes with more touchdowns because that seems to be the kind of area he thrives uh, with Tom Brady. But if, if Godwin and Brown would have played full seasons last year, I'm not sure Evans ends up getting over a thousand yards. I think he really benefited by being in a couple of those games, both Brown and Godwin were out and Miller was banged up and OJ Howard was gone. Mike Evans kind of benefited from being the guy and getting a lion's share of the targets. If they can all stay on the field, I think Godwin ends up the top dude. So that that brings us to tight ends. I actually did. Uh, you're right. I wrote about the tight ends. I think it was over the weekend. Um, but OJ Howard only played in four games last year. Finished this tight end 58. Got 11 uh, receptions, 146 yards, and two TDs in those four games. Rob Gronkowski finished as tight end eight. Saw 77 targets. Caught 45 passes. 623 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, He did most of his damage after OJ Howard was injured because OJ Howard was by far um, the higher ranked tight end in the four games they played together. If both of them are back together this season, Matt, who do you think finishes better in 2021? Uh, I would still go with Gronk. Uh, Oh, Howard, correct me if I'm wrong, was an Achilles, right? Was it an that's Achilles a, or ACL? That's a good question. Let me look. Because if it was an Achilles, I have no faith that he's going to come back and be 100%. That's one of those injuries. Yes, especially it was an Achilles tendon. Yeah, a guy his size, I, I've got to see that. I just It's hard for even the best athletes in the world to come back at wide receiver, running back, the best basketball players, baseball players. To come back, when you're talking about a tight end at his size, I think I would need to see him come back and do it. I think Gronk, you know, he has that connection with Brady. That's, I think, the reason why he came to Tampa Bay. You know, I, at tight end eight last year, as I know you just mentioned, did most of his uh, damage win. 
Howard was out, but even with Howard out there, and again, Mike Evans, Godwin, I think it's just, it helps Gronk out even more. I think Gronk's going to be even healthier too. Uh, one thing, you know, this is his first year back in football, and I think he probably, he looked like he was enjoying it more and more as the season went on. I think this is probably could end up actually being his last hurrahs. I think this is the last year he signed with Tampa Bay as well. Could be maybe him and Tom Brady stay together until Brady leaves. Brady maybe has one or two more years. So this could be winding toward the end of Gronk's the end of Gronk's career as well. So I think he wants to go out on top. I think he's just going to get more and more into football shape. So I would take Gronk over uh, Howard. I, I'm I'm probably taking Gronk over Howard as well because of the injury concerns. But Gronk played 16 games last year. He was the tight end 16 on a points-per-game basis. So, well, and if you take out only, let's see, C.J. Uzoma was above him who only played two games. I think everybody else, I well, O.J. Howard played four and scored 9.4 per game. So that bumps him up to tight end 14. Um on, on a points per game basis, I I, I don't I I feel like it's still going to be more of a three headed monster than we want. I, I there's a there is the possibility that the the nepotism between Brady and Gronk will lead to him getting more touchdown shots, but I don't know if he leads the tight ends in in receptions. Uh, just because I think it, I could see them saving him for when they get down there close and they need that that jump ball guy. Um, and, you know, Gronk kind of just wants to hang out, play some football, have a good time down there in Florida, and, you know, he's going to give you everything he's got. Uh, but at this stage of his career, he is a, isn't the athlete he was early on in his career. And so I don't think he causes a ruckus if they say, hey, you know what? We're only going to play you 40% of the snaps. We're going to put these young guys in there. We're going to let Cam Brait and O.J. Howard, you know, do the blocking and and uh, take some of those earlier uh, pass attempts whatnot. And when we get close, we need a first down. We need a touchdown. Then we'll put you in. So I feel like it's a yards – Yards and receptions versus touchdown debate with Gronk and the other tight ends. So, um, I don't know. Is he going to get more than? Uh, is he going to equal his seven touchdowns of last year? Boy, that's tough. I mean, Godwin had seven in twelve games. I, I'm going to go Gronk by one spot over Howard. Yeah. So when they were on the field together last year, Howard uh, was tight end 17 and Gronk was tight end 36. Um, but the big question too is Gronk was coming off of a year of not playing in a year where you had no preseason. Was he kind of working himself back into shape? He, like Fournette, had a huge showing in the Super Bowl uh, and had a pretty decent showing in the playoffs. But even in some of the earlier playoff games, we saw them using Brait. Um, you know, I think a lot of us used Gronkowski in those playoff challenges. And it was really depressing until you got to the Super Bowl and then he kind of put up some points. The question for me is probably more of value. I don't think either of these tight ends finishes as a tight end one. I think 
They could both be tight end twos, or one of them's a tight end two, one's a tight end three. Gronk is currently going in ADP-wise as tight end eight in standard and tight end 12 in PPR, while O.J. Howard's going as tight end 30 in PPR. So to me, that makes Howard a little bit more of a value. If he can work himself back from injury, I think they are using him. It did seem like they liked him and they liked his fifth. There's so many weapons in Tampa Bay. I don't trust either of these guys to finish as a tight end one. I mean, Gronkowski still because of his name and because of the Super Bowl is kind of going high in drafts. So I don't think he's particularly a value where he's at right now, even if he does finish slightly higher. Do you guys have anything else on the world champion Buccaneers? That's it. So uh, that's a wrap for the top half of the NFC South. Matt Squared will be back on Thursday to uh, look at the Julio Jones list Atlanta Falcons and the Teddy Bridgewater list Carolina Panthers. Till then, have a good night. Prepare for glory. Oh no, no, you got your pop on there. You got your pop on there. I came out the wrong line already. Touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>